Welcome to Craft Advice, a podcast to help investors tackle the more complex area of their personal and business finances. Join Jack and Sean as we discuss everything from investing to retirement and everything in between. Of like good beer sales is like eye candy as you go down the oh, aisle. For, oh, for sure. Absolutely. So if you do the labels right, Southern Swallows has the good labels. So they, they, they do, do that right. <clears throat> they do. They do. I would agree. Some places, well, that's kind of why I like the whole Voodoo Ranger thing is they're all different. Like they have another one that's like a guy and like a soldier type thing and like ski, futuristic yep. ski gear or something like yep. that. It's like, I'm it interested. Ca- Very it catches, interested. It catches the eye for sure. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the end of the yeah. day, it's, so if that's, you can that's, do that. the, that's the first thing you do, right? You walk by a beer aisle. It's like, this thing looks insane. You grab it. You're like, oh, oh it's like six, 7% alcohol. And then, you know, you just, you look at all the rest of this, like, yeah, it checks out something I'll drink. Yeah. looks funky. looks fun. Sure. Well, why do you think, why do you think, what is it? 19 crimes? Is that Snoop's? Wine? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. 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 That the wine. only reason that stuff's popular is that specific reason. Yeah. It's terrible. You could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, so. or I should say, very average, unimpressive one. Very, yeah. It, it's not it, very good. It's not, but it it's looks not cool. bad, but yeah, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just you know, it's whatever. It you're not going to go done. You're never going to show up at a party or a you know holiday event or work outing and bring your 19 crimes yeah, and yeah. get any you know support from the people around you, except for the people that are like, oh, that's a crazy looking bottle. Oh yeah, wow. Snoop Dogg has his own wine. You're like, this is exactly for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, we're getting right into this. We didn't even prep. I just hit record, so whoop, whoop. off the deep end. I'm going to start. I'm going to read. I sent you something from Scott Galloway. I'm going to read mm-hmm. this because I think it's perfect. We're going back to Mother Russia today. Um, mm. But mm. I think before we get to beers, I want to read this one part because this kind of sums up everything we're going to cover today. But Within hours of tanks crossing Ukraine's borders, the U.S. pulled the plug on all financing to Russia. Soon after, Western allies threatened to block Russia from the global SWIFT payment system, and its central bank assets were frozen. And then Apple stopped selling phones. Most major oil companies are pulling or divesting stakes in Russia. Big tech is banning Russian social media across the globe. And even soccer teams and kids' movies that are tied to Russia or coordinated or filmed through Russia are getting pulled. So I know Disney was one of them. So there is a hell of a lot of things that have happened since the last time we did this episode. But we got to start with some beers. Yeah, yeah. I'm start. Standard issue. Yeah. So I have Free Dive IPA. I, I tend to go back to this. It's like the regular stable Right out of Ebor, Coppertail Brewing. Nice. There you go. Good sip and IPA. So cheers from me to you. And, and you by go. the way, we, I will apologize. Uh, I think I put myself in the acquaintance bucket. I, it was not Sean. <laughs> it was not me that I, or Sean that I text the uh, video to. So, yeah, I'll take a sip for that one. You're a man of your word, Jack. You're a man of your word. Look at you. I will walk Good. back my acquaintanceship, if that's a word. I will sure, walk it back on my own. Good, good. Besmirching my good name. Um, <laughs> no, besmirching our friendship. So continue. exactly, our friendship's good name. No, uh, so I've obviously got something here from Southern Swells. We're in the uh, we're in we're in a uh, peak brewing season for these guys. So it's like every week they're coming out with something new. 
I've got a uh, a nice West Coast IPA. This one's called Wow, That's Crazy. Got some solid uh, can candy. That's uh, obviously what we were starting off with was is the uh, the can design for some of these beers can uh, really catch your eye. And uh, that's a lot of times what leads you to buying them. You're like, oh, this thing looks fun and crazy. I'll yeah. buy that. Drink that. Why not? Looks good. But yeah, they do. They do a really good job. So either way, cheers to that. Cheers. All right. So getting into it. Yeah, I'm going to start. Yeah, the brewskis got to get into it. Um, brewskis with the Ruskies. Yeah, no vodka on this episode. Protests. Um, <laughs> so I want to start. I think one of the biggest things th- there's been this ongoing discussion of like what happens next with this Russia Ukraine thing. Obviously, they're going to keep shooting at each other and firing missiles, but I think what was unexpected, the rest of the world decided to react to this news. Very, I mean, you heard today NATO came out and said they don't want to put troops in Ukraine. They don't want to have more bodies. They don't want to create World War III. Biden said the same thing in the State of the Union. But what everyone's doing now is they're doing a lot of passive attacks to directly impact Russia. So we talked about the SWIFT banking system, and I'll get into that in a second. But something people should know, because I think this is pretty telling, but Every single country has a central bank, and the bank kind of controls the money supply in that country. A downside of having your currency implode, so the Russian ruble, which is the equivalent of a dollar over there, is down, I don't know if it's 40, 45, 50%. It's plummeted since the start of this war, mostly on all these sanctions that we're doing. Now, there is a lot of evidence, and I mean, you can just see it with the central banks. Putin over the last 10 years has been holding non-rubles on the balance sheet of their central bank. So they had U.S. dollars. They had euros. They had yen in Japan. They had uh, the yuan in China. So the goal for them was to diversify the country's finances. So in the event this happened, he went to war and his currency was devalued. He would be able to still have a rich country. What he wasn't planning is with this SWIFT, and we'll get into it in a second, with the SWIFT system kind of kicking him out, all of the other central banks, you know, if you hold euros, you're holding those in a European bank. So the Euro European Union kind of has control over that money. All of Russia's money that's tied up in other countries has been frozen. So the only thing left to spend on tanks, on planes, on military, you know, people, whatever, their equivalent of Social Security is this weakened ruble. So I think that's one of the parts that's being looked at is, you know, does that piss him off even more where he goes even more postal? But he's got hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars that is frozen, unattainable to them that really can't help the war effort. So I thought that was nuts. Yeah, yeah, they've got uh, a – I was – Talking to you earlier about it, they've got roughly $630 billion uh, in foreign reserves that are just sitting there. But now, uh, obviously, that's less handy. <clears throat> and of that 630 I believe about 100 of it, maybe just under 100, something in that num- neighborhood, is, uh, is gold, right? So they've got just a massive amount of gold sitting there as well, which that'll be easier to offload and um, you know, utilize. But you know, it's only going to last for so long. The the real thing I I think that you know a, a lot of people have talked about it, but it's something that 
keeps getting swept under the rug is the fact that nobody is divesting really away from Russian oil. Right. Yeah. I mean, and we can, we can freeze them off the payment rails and we can kick them out of Swift and we can do this and that. But at the end of the day, we're still buying. What is it? Like 11 million. I thought it was. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot every day, every single day. There, there is, I believe it's, what is it? 530,000 uh, barrels a day is what we're buying. Yeah, I mean, Google that. Google that. Where's our Jamie? We need a Jamie here. Yeah, we need a Jamie. <laughs> need a Jamie. Google that. Pull that up. All right. But anyways, so, um, I'll find it. This is hard when you're operating the podcast to also be the Google on the podcast. I believe totally. it's, I believe it's 500 um, million barrels a day, is what they were. Um, this is from uh, uh, Joe Manchin. Mm-hmm. saying that they were still buying 500,000 barrels a day or something. It's pretty absurd. Yeah, yeah. And yeah it's, we'll, it's like we'll 500, just... 540,000, something in that range. It's, it's a lot, right? So it's a lot. And the other thing that a lot of these senators have brought up is the fact that several of – so we we haven't um, – you know, the, the administration will continue to say, like, oh, we, we're not forcing these oil wells to shut down. And, and that may be true, right? But they've – increase the cost of operating these to the point where, I mean, maybe now that oil's obviously above $110 a barrel, that's going to change. But prior to this, you know, past 10 days or eight days, um, it's been unprofitable for these people to operate those wells. So they basically just shut them down and they've basically regulated or legislated something in the range of 630 to 650,000 barrels per day that were normally putting, you know, supply onto the market that basically shut down because it became untenable and too expensive to operate those, those facilities. And then at the same time, we're importing from Russia between like 530 to 560,000 barrels per day. So we could literally completely cut them off, flip a switch, turn ours back on, utilize our own natural resources and it really put a lot more of a uh, a crimp on their uh, finances. Same thing with Russia, right? Or same thing with Europe, I should say, right? So Europe is still continuing to buy oil and gas every single day mm-hmm. from uh, from Russia. So I mean, it's we everybody's saying a lot of these things, but at the end of the day, we're buying their biggest commodity, their biggest you know source of financing that is their biggest resource to continue to fund this war. So it is a little bit of a double talk. Well, and Europe kind of has to because they're so predominantly tied to it. They have to import it. They, it's not like they can go drilling in London and let's you know get a startup oil drilling company going in, in Germany. Maybe they have a few, but um, – You're right. You're right. Before that we is, get to the – That's fair. More into the divesting thing, I wanted to hit one more thing on SWIFT. So for any of those that see SWIFT in the news – the title of it is the Society of, for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications. Think of it simply as just, it's a verification system for 11,000 banks across the globe. So if you're in, let's say you go on Safari in Africa and you go to a bank and say, I need whatever, $5,000 wired over here for whatever. Maybe it's your hunt in this example. The local bank you're going to work with, if they're part of the SWIFT network, is kind of your verification that that's a legal bank. This is not just some run-of-the-mill, rinky-dink laundering system. This is like an actual bank 
that verifies funds. So it's kind of how people verify international transfers across the globe. You know, we'll get crypto may solve this whole thing, but for now, this as Sean's <laughs> Sean's mouthing crypto over. Bitcoin. But, yeah, Bitcoin, Bitcoin solves this all. Well, you don't have yeah, Bitcoin does. going right now at full capacity. There's not enough money in that system, but yes, this would solve Yet. it. But removing Russia from that system would mean there is no way to verify any of the assets being received or sent to Russian banks. So as part of this, you've seen the largest bank in Russia. I think it's called Spare Bank. Yep. They pulled all of their European operations, and they're kind of just calling it quits. At the same time, Sean mentioned this, all of the U.S. and U.K. businesses that have oil exposure in Russia are basically just wiping their hands and saying, I'm done. So I don't know what this does long term. I mean, I think this is part of the reason oil prices are skyrocketing. I think there's two things in my mind. One, does this piss Putin off so much where he goes nuclear? I don't know. At the same time, does this piss off all his billionaire friends where they throw him out? Because I don't see it. I mean, the Russian, the, the Russian ETF from VanEck, which tracks kind of the, the stock market there, is down 80%. That's just price appreciation. The total returns down almost 97%. So it's almost like a complete wipeout of all the value of all these companies. So think about the S&P 500 went to zero. You know, that's the black swan event. This We're kind of at that for Russia right now, which is, you know, where does the fork in the road take us, which is what people got to start thinking about. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you hit on a lot of things there, but uh, one that I thought was very interesting was the, and it seems as though corporations have turned from being a lot more agnostic to international events like they were, in, you know, years and decades past to being very cognizant uh you know everybody's looking at us everybody's seeing how we're we're responding to this international event and they're responding accordingly which is you know i mean i would say when it's all said and done i i would i think that's a positive um i mean i don't know how this is all going to play out obviously nobody does but i mean chevron x i mean all the big major players that had direct contracts in in direct ownership stakes in Russia's largest uh, oil and gas producer, right? The the, the government owned uh, was it Rosneft? Yep, Rosneft. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, they all divested, they all got out of it, and they all sold their shares. And it's a uh, these are all proactive steps that are have they're non governmental, right? They're non state sanctioned. They're not state backed. Um, even if maybe there's a wink and a nod behind the scenes, they're not officially state bank, you know, state sanctioned or state backed. And it's becoming a lot more challenging than I think uh, Putin realized that was going to happen. But at the end of the day, like you said, there is always that random, or not, I don't want to say random, but I mean that less likely outcome that we push him so far that he becomes even more dangerous. Uh, I mean, last night, I don't know for, for those who are out there, but are listening last night, I mean, obviously they, they shelled and went after a nuclear, the largest nuclear power plant in Europe, right? They were saying that yeah. if there was an explosion or an accident similar to Chernobyl, it would be five to 10 times the size. And basically everybody in Europe would have to evacuate. I mean, they would have to flee the continent and it would be dusted in, you know, nuclear, I mean, particles that would, you know, obviously 
cancer rates would skyrocket, et cetera, et cetera. The point is, is that it would be a global humanitarian crisis that we've never seen on this scale before, not in modern era. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of really uh, challenging things that are going on right now. But, I mean, they're going after everything they can, right? They're going after the yachts. They're going after the bank accounts. They're going after payments. They're going after products. They're going after corporations. They're basically making it so untenable that you can't work, live, sleep, eat, breathe, function in Russia. Um, the only thing that I'm concerned with is that do we take it too far to, you know, in terms of how it affects the average Russian person? You know, and then, you know, then it almost backfires and they all hate the world and hate the West. Um, because the, the goal of all of this is obviously this is right. These every single thing that we've done as an act of war, but it's an indirect act of war. Right. So it's yep. not, we're not firing rockets over there, but we're basically shutting your banking system down, which is basically saying you can't <laughs> you can't have money anymore. You can't That'll transact piss a lot of people off. That would make a lot of people upset. Right. So it's definitely one of those where. It, we're on we're on shaky ground, and uh, from an investor's perspective, it, it it throws so much uncertainty in the air right now that it, it just doesn't make sense to make any broad based moves right now. Now there are a few areas we'll touch on these. We we touched on them last episode a little bit. Um, obviously, defense, cybersecurity, energy. I mean, these are kind of I mean, just, in, I would say overall commodity related sectors, right? These are the primary areas that are going to benefit, and it's. Nobody likes to say benefit when all these bad things are happening, but at the end of the day, these are the areas that are going to benefit from what's going on. Um, but the uh, what's going on is the, the the U.S., the West, the European Union, everybody that's putting these pressures on Russia is trying to make it so bad that essentially somebody overthrows him. Right? That's that's the end game. The end game is that he either backs down and changes his ways completely, which is obviously the least likely scenario. Uh, or the next, the next scenario in order would probably be, you know, hey, somebody in his inner circle takes him out or removes him from power in some form or fashion. So and we it, hope would that's what they exactly hope that, would happen. Exactly, that's what they hope happens. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. The, everybody that's surrounding him, I'm, to my knowledge, is uh, the people that were questionable have been purged. Everybody else that's remaining, I think, is. Uh, a true yeah, believer. Who, so we'll who see. Who was the guy maybe three years ago that tried to run against him and yeah. ended up in some coma because he was poisoned? Yeah, I was going to say he was in jail for three years until uh, last, I think it was last year or something. And then he uh, he got some type of brain aneurysm or coma or whatever it is because yeah. they were saying uh, some some accident happened. Or he got, they, they blamed it on him. He got a sick or something. But Yeah. Yeah. That's like that one in North Korea where the kid that, took the poster and they're like, Oh, he just wasn't hydrated. <laughs> oh, he didn't, he didn't have enough electrolytes in him. So yeah. We cut his Gatorade off and, you know, <laughs> and then cut our waters. Through. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have great water. It's purified. It's not spring water, <laughs> but no, I, I think something else that's t to your point on the Russian people, you know, that could be a big issue today. Literally as we're recording this on Friday, Facebook just announced that Russia's blocked all access to Facebook across and all their platforms across the entire country. I don't know again enough about, I'm sure TikTok is bigger over there than Instagram. Like it is here as well, but I don't know if they would do that to China as well, or if China is just filtering out that stuff. I think that in my mind is probably the biggest next step with what happens. 
whatever China wants Russia to do, if they say, hey, you know, keep escalating, keep escalating, and then something goes, you know, if it goes haywire, that's a perfect opportunity to take Taiwan, which is that, you know, the, the other thing that's been muddled around. However, you know, maybe they pivot and China says, no, this is, you know, you've taken this a little too far too fast. And that, in my mind, would be what stops them. Um, it's it's crazy to see. Again, we've talked about the footage and the shellings and, yeah, shooting a nuclear power plant, which now they control. So they kind of are starting to use the military force to get the control they lost in the financial system, which is a little scary. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, so I don't know if there's anything that any country could really do or say that would prevent them from continuing down the path that they're, that they're going. Right. I mean, I think at an earlier time, uh, China could have possibly brokered some deal. Um, you know, I think those, that opportunity is gone, but I mean, especially when you've got the Chinese communist party, uh, signing a 100, was it 100 million metric ton coal, uh, order basically. Did you see that? Yep. They ordered, they signed an agreement to, to order and pay for a hundred million metric tons of coal. I wonder if the uh, people that were up in arms about the, the Paris Accord, or the Paris Agreement, uh, are going to send some nasty emails over to Xi Jinping. Yeah. I mean, you never know. This, this is, in my <laughs> mind, the biggest... This is a this is a very giant game of chess with every country is now has has a piece on the board. And so, you know, the good thing is we're not fighting this with bodies, which, you know, for the US, I think this let's go to the pros. I think 100% now Biden looks like an idiot for killing the Keystone pipeline. At the same time, you're going to see a massive that bill is going to go right back through the House and Senate and get right back to his desk even if he drags his feet. I'm sure you'll start to see more of a focus on not just clean energy, but just energy independence, fully self-sufficient U.S., which means all the country boys down in Texas, Mississippi, Louisiana are going to be licking their chops. Oklahoma, up in the uh, <clears throat> up in the Bakken, North Dakota, I think it is. All those oil drilling states are going to be going nuts with how much money they probably see over the couple of years. Going to be funding going into that space. Energy, I've normally looked at and said this is a dead space to invest. I think the tailwind is not just the price, but the understanding that we can't rely on all of these emerging economies for our commodity inputs. That's the whole reason Intel is bringing this massive plant to Ohio. And they raised it. I don't know if you saw, Sean. It went from $20 billion to $100 billion during the State of the Union. So that is a direct kind of response to the China invades Taiwan, which has Taiwan semiconductor. So yep. this is all one of those moving ponds, self-sufficient. What does that do long-term? I think this is a huge, huge tailwind for domestic chip manufacturing, cybersecurity companies. You're going to see a whole lot of investment in that space to protect against this going forward. Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, domestic chip manufacturing. But even like taking it a, another step, I guess, Take to, to more granular level, right? The raw inputs that go into those chips, right? The commodity space is going to see increased demand 
And we're going to see increased demand, not just from the raw materials that go into creating these chips. Um, I think we're going to also see a massive increase, which we already started to see that with wheat, corn. Um, I mean, the, the Europe's breadbasket, right? We talked about it last time, is the Ukraine. Russia and Ukraine are two of the top five wheat producers in the world. And that's basically, in, in, the, in Ukraine, it's basically 100% shut down. Russia has obviously been somewhat limited, but the point is, is that this conflict is not going to just stick to oil, right? It's oil, it's wheat, it's raw good materials, minerals that go into um, chip manufacturing. All of these particular spaces, um, you know, again, they're, they're going to continue to be areas that are favorable in this environment, unfortunately, to invest in. Um, so I want to jump to crypto because I know we talked about. Don't threaten me with a good time. Oh, well, I think you're going to be a little upset with what I say, but <laughs> so the. Well, then um, you're obviously wrong. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> if you are not part of the metaverse, then you are, you know, the war is already over in the metaverse, if you know. You're what I'm in or you're Russian. It's red pill, blue pill. Um, That's it. Well, I mean, I'm going to make this, we're going to go on a tangent here for a second. If the metaverse is anything like the last reboot of the Matrix, then I'm fucking shorting the shit out of that. <laughs> that was the worst movie I think I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. It was sad. It, it was wasn't good. It was, it was sad in terms of it. I was really hoping it was going to be a lot better than it was. And it was just, yeah. I watched it. Melissa's completely, my, so my wife is completely sleeping next to me and she's, she gives it a good five, 10 minutes and then starts falling asleep. And then I'm watching it all by myself and I'm just so disappointed. And I just keep watching it, hoping it gets better and better. And it just gets worse and worse. It's and just terrible. Terrible. No, nobody I, I made, was getting it. I made Sarah watch it too. And she's like, this is awful. Why are we still watching this? I'm like, it might get better. I text, it might get better. It might get better. <laughs> I text. I literally text my brother 10 minutes in. I was like, this is going to be sick. And he's like. I heard it got terrible reviews, and at the very end, I was like, that was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but anyways, to crypto. So I'm going to say a couple points, then you can take this. So the original, originally what you saw with the crypto space was there was a huge flood towards uh, Bitcoin spiked pretty hard on the news that was run in the banks. You saw a significant amount of wallets getting opened on exchanges across the globe mostly in Russia, but they were all different exchanges, independent wallets, private wallets. They were just funneling rubles over into Bitcoin. It was an extremely popular transaction over the past two weeks. Record-setting highs for the ruble, yeah. Record-setting high. Now, the big <clears throat> thing is this crypto decentralization. I was arguing with my brother that the exchanges is not the way to do this because the government will literally just show up at your house um, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal that Binance, not Binance US, the global Binance is actually taking steps to restrict individuals that were sanctioned. So if it was any of the billionaires, Russian elites, anyone like that, they are actually going to work with a task force. That said, if you got your private wallet, literally there's been, I don't know if it was Ledger or who it was, there was another company that got subpoenaed for something like this. And they're like, look, we don't have the keys for this. I don't know if you understand how this works, but once we set it up, we can't touch it. 
Yep. So I know it might be traceable, and maybe this is where they send a you know a bunch of you know guys in a black SUV to your house at three in the morning and just physically find it. But it's it's showing this is a strong use case for this, especially in economies like Russia, where someone like like Putin can change the direction of the economy overnight. And someone maybe works at a coffee shop or even in Ukraine, there's a whole significant amount of, I guess Ukraine is one of the largest economies for outsourcing IT engineering. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a software platform we use for stock research called Coifin. And I guess like a third of their development staff, they have their only physical office is in Ukraine because that's where the largest concentration of their developers is. So you have a lot of innocent targets. This makes perfect sense, but I think this is the exact reason why if you're really a crypto purist, the exchanges is not the way to go. The exchanges is for the people that just say, I want exposure to this and I'll just YOLO and see what happens. But I'm going to let Crypto Sean jump in and tell me why I'm wrong. Well, it's not that you're wrong. It's you're partially wrong. You're mostly wrong. So it's not that <laughs> it's not that exchanges necessarily. It's You're it's not so, wrong. You're just not right. Yeah, you're just not right, but that's okay. You know, we're we're it, we're slowly bringing you into the universe. You know, the metaverse will ab- absorb your your spirit animal slowly. I'll buy an NFT over the weekend just to, exactly you know, get my toes, make, make amends. Um, but no, so it comes down to what's traceable or what's trackable and what's not, right? So KYC, right? Know your customer uh, is a term within the financial industry that's broadly known within you know right, the equity markets, bond market, just traditional brokerage market um, because we are required to do this whenever we onboard a new client we have to you know your your name your address your social right your date of birth right? all these things they have to be known and verifiable and the point of all that is to prevent terrorism and money laundering and you know, all these nefarious things right so not not that there's anything wrong with that but if you want to have pure bitcoin true bitcoin i mean it's you have you, you would keep it on a, a non KYC exchange and non-KYC wallet uh, where you don't have to put those pieces of information out there. And if those companies don't have those pieces of information, there's nothing that they can give to a regulator or an investigator or anybody else. They can say, hey, we see this piece of, you know, know, we see these transactions on the the block, right? Because they can still see things moving around and they can go to say, you know, XYZ, but that exchange is going to say, well, we don't know who this is, right? Because they don't have that information. They don't track it. They don't keep it. They don't store it. Um, and that's the way that you really get away from this. And I believe this is a perfect use case of why Bitcoin matters. And it it's why Bitcoin should exist and why it will continue to grow and thrive. Because in, in not even just the, the Russia-Ukraine incident, right? So let's take a step back to what happened with Canada, right? So if you just said, hey, what's going on with those truckers was – you know, I don't agree with it. I think they're being a little harsh to these guys. Those terrorists. Those, ter- those terrorist trucker Nazis. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think these domestic terrorist trucker Nazis are a little ag- aggressive. But uh, no, if I if I if I thought that they were you know not bad guys, but you know, I'm just, hey, I want to donate a little bit to these people. I think you know, I kind of believe in their cause. I'm going to send them twenty bucks, thirty bucks. Right? The government froze your account. They froze your bank accounts. That is not they unilaterally froze your 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 access to the capital markets and the access to your money yep which is 
a like just a, it's a massively mind-boggling. I mean, like you'd expect something like that in Russia. You don't expect something like that in Canada. The nicest people at one point in the world. Now I don't know about eh? that. They're, <laughs> eh? Maybe not. Um, the point is, is that the this alleviates the problem of government overreach and government, you know, abuse to the point where it impacts the average individual person, right? The average individual person in Canada doesn't care about what's going on at the upper levels. They're like, hey, this guy looks, you know, we support these people to a degree. I want to make sure, you know, they're not just standing out in the cold. They get a little food. We're going to donate 20 bucks, whatever it is. doesn't matter. Point is, is now they have to sit there and go through hoops to unfreeze their accounts and to prove that they're not supporting a domestic terrorist organization. Um, and, you know, a similar thing is kind of going on in Russia where, you know, these people have no say in what's going on in their government. Like, you know, you, we, we have this phony, you know, right, this facade of the, the, the Russian people can vote. And, right, there's technically elections where he gets 99% of the vote or whatever. They're you know. arresting all the protesters right yeah, now. So. They've arrested almost 10,000 protesters. And that's just what they've, uh, you know, admitted to. So, you know, the number is probably much higher than that. You know what they do? They just strap them in a uniform and they send them off to the front line. That's it. Pop them in a tank and away they go. But the reality is, it's like, I mean, imagine if you're a business owner in Russia, right? You're a normal citizen. You're working. You're living. You have nothing to do with what's going on. You have no say in the government. You don't, you don't, you don't like what's going on. I mean, you're opposed to everything that's going on. Your financial, like your financial well-being has been completely ex just destroyed, right? Your currency is is exploded. Your access to international payment systems is, is gone. Your bank is likely kicked out. I mean, it's, this alleviates this completely because again, this allows people to have non-state sanctioned currencies, non-state sanctioned financial rails and, and mechanisms to, to operate. And, and that's why, again, I, I continue to think that Bitcoin is going to be the way of the future. I mean, the Fed even said the other day, right, in the testimony that and this was something that not a lot of people caught, but um, Chairman Powell, not to be confused with Chairman Mao sometimes, Ooh. but uh, Chairman Powell did say that there can be an environment with more than one um, reserve currency. I think that's almost a tacit waving of the white flag of what's inevitably going to come in, in that the dollar will maintain its its dominance you know, again, probably for our lifetimes or the majority of our lifetimes, but eventually Bitcoin will continue to grow and gain, um, you know, gain acceptance around the world. And, and you're going to see it carve out its own place as a non, non-country dominated uh, reserve currency that will be widely used. Yeah. Uh, and that's by the my way, take. As we're saying that, crude uh, cracked... 115? Oh, God. To the moon. To the moon with crude. To the moon. Yeah, all you guys buying Bitcoin think it's going to the moon. It's, it's <laughs> physical barrels of oil. How do you think Elon gets those rockets to the sky? To the moon. You can't fuel them on Bitcoin, Sean. Can't fuel them on Bitcoin. But, yeah, you're right. The, you're uh, right. The, uh, lost, if you've lost faith. So here's the problem is a lot of people. Think about all the people that stormed the Capitol. A lot of those good old boys. They don't believe in the government, but they don't get computers. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take time. Their kids will. That's fine. Their kids will. I'll help you, Dad. That's fine. <laughs>
But I mean, you think, think about it like if you're, again, you're a business owner in Russia, you've got seven laundromats, right? You make a good living. You've got family. You've got a, a, you know, a, a lot wealth. of fur coats coming. Yeah, a lot of fur coats are coming through the cleaners, right? A lot of pockets you got to shake down. But mm-hmm. um, right, you're just trying to create a normal, like financial situation that is is tenable, that it's growing, and you're able to take care of you, your family, etc. And then the dictator that runs your country decides to invade another country, and everything crashes, and you had nothing to do with it, right? So there's a lot of people that are, you know quote unquote, you know, they're, they're innocent people that are caught in the crossfires, which happens with any war, obviously. But financially speaking, this is a way that we can prevent the average person from being really uh, just steamrolled by events that they have no control over. Yeah. It's like if you lived in an apartment complex and someone's running a meth lab out of the other side and it you didn't run that meth lab. you didn't do anything, you know, can't help the Walter White's down the end of the hall cooking it up. Exactly. You know? Got to move out. Get your own house. Now 60% of your body is covered in scars. There you go. See? And you <laughs> you could have could have had your own secure location, you know. Off you the, hitched off your the way grid. into the wrong cart. Anyways. All right. Let's wrap it up on that. You got any closing thoughts? No. I mean, I would say at the end of the day, the main sectors that people want to focus on, again, don't make any major changes to your – you know, again, we're always encouraging everybody to – Dollar cost average into the market, right? Think long-term with investing and financial planning. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you want to take advantage of kind of the short-term events that are going on in the market, obviously energy, defense, uh, cybersecurity more specifically, commodities, right? Those are the four areas of uh, of opportunity that have already done really well, but will likely continue to do really well for the foreseeable future. Um, and then at the same time, Inflation's still going up, so uh, don't buy those bonds. Don't buy those bonds. We're going to leave it on that. That was a good one. All right, well, <laughs> everybody, here's to uh, hopefully the end of a war and oil prices going down. Cheers. Cheers. Hopefully, hopefully this thing improves shortly. <sighs> mm. Very good. Adios, everybody. Adios. Enjoy the weekend. Jack and Sean work for Senge Advisory Group, a registered investment advisory firm. All discussions between Jack and Sean or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Senge Advisory Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Senge Advisory Group may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.